0: Father, thank you for a beautiful Sabbath and another opportunity to learn more about how we can be more effective in sharing your good news with the people of the world. We ask that you will bless us in this today, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so find yourself a partner. Could be somebody that you like. Could be somebody that you don't necessarily like, but you are going to find a way to like that person here over the next few minutes. And once you find that person, do we have anybody who is un? unpartnered. We got Tina, Tina. We grab a couple of handouts and grab a partner. We're going to do a partner exercise here, right? Who still needs a partner? Anybody still need a partner? You need two people together. Chris? All right. Chris, Tina, would you mind partnering with Pastor Chris? Oh, I know. That's, that's, that's pretty rough. It is a sacrifice, but we're grateful. All right. So now that you have a partner... You get to decide who is going to go first you don't know what you're going first for but the encouraging thing is you're going to get swap seats here in just a second so just decide who the first guinea pig is and whoever the first guinea pig is send the first guinea pig up to me okay and then you you who are still seated you who are still seated are going to close your eyes but you're going to want to have in your possession the writing utensil and the blank piece of paper that you were given. So those still seated, you want to have a writing utensil and a blank piece of paper. And I'm gonna give something to your partner up here and they're going to come back and sit next to you. I want you guys to kind of turn your backs one to another so that you cannot see the other person And then what's going to happen is I'm gonna give you 60 seconds. And the person who receives the item from me is going to have 60 seconds to describe that item to you, and you have to draw it from their description. Now, here's the catch. The person here cannot tell you what it is. For example, if it was a pen, you can't say, it's a pen. You'd have to say, it's a cylindrical object about 6 inches long that's tapered at one end and at the other and it has this plastic hooky thing. Get the idea? Yeah. You you can give them describing you, <laughs> it, you can't tell them what it is, but you have to describe the item.
1: Without, physically without telling them what it does either.
0: Without telling them what it does. Okay? All right. So this is just a physical description of what this thing is. And you're going to have 60 seconds to do it, Okay, So those of you who are seated, close your eyes. And I'm going to hand different items to different individuals up here. Don't start yet, don't start yet. I'm going to give you 60 seconds. Hang on. No, well, as long as your partner has their back turned to you and vice versa. Remember, we're talking about communication here. So I'm going to set a timer for one whole minute. When I say go, which I didn't say yet, but when I do, You'll have 60 seconds to describe. You can use colors, shapes, anything that you want along those lines. And uh, do the best you can in 60 seconds, and then let's see how you did. You can't say what it, can't, can't say what it is, and within reason, you don't want to say what it does, so to speak. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little leeway on that one. OK, ready, set, go. You now have thirty seconds left. Oh, I'm not supposed <laughs> to be looking when she's drawing, am I? And then at in the middle of it, at a perpendicular ninety degrees, there is a fifteen seconds. About the same distance as the full width. In the middle? Yeah. Perpendicular to it. Five. time. Stop. All right. So let your partner look at what they were trying to describe and see how they did. Do we get it? All right. That's pretty good. Let's see. Let's see some other pictures. How did we do? There we go. That's not bad. Not bad. Good. Getting there. All right. (laughs) Creative. (laughs) Not. It looks more like a duck than an eagle, but that's okay. I I like version two much better than version one. There, good. All right. Okay, so now it's time to swap hats. So, and please uh, give give your partner who's coming up here the item and just place it up here on the uh, thing here. Put it right over there. Okay, so now the seated person can close their eyes once again. Right over here, Edward. And are we ready? Meeny miny, mo. There we go. <laughs> All right, go ahead and head back to your seats. Be formulating how you're going to describe this thing. And three, two, one, go. Thirty seconds, and then a
1: things circling are various
0: colors and shapes. Fifteen seconds, internal within very organized and very pretty. Five, three, two, one, top, stop all right well look at your other paper and see how you did how do we oh all right that's pretty good pretty good how do we do kids uh not bad not bad you guys had the birds i didn't even i didn't plan that but how do we do over here not so good. How about back here? That, getting there, getting there, all right. We're still working on it over here, evidently. <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna tidy it up a little bit. Yeah, all right. Good, okay, go ahead and bring your, your items back up here if you would and you can put them in this bag. And let's talk for just a minute about, uh, about what we thought about that exercise in communication. This is a, a staple puller. Oh. Yep. You're used to seeing the like alligator looking things. You, you, you probably could, you know. But yeah, this is a, a staple puller. Okay, so did you find that easy or not so easy? Very difficult. Very difficult? Very easy. <laughs> Very easy? Kind of. Part of it's going to depend on how well your partner described the item in terms that you could understand. Did a nice job, good. Do you think that the more you communicate with somebody, by and large, the more effective you could be in communicating with that person? Once you learn a little bit more about how they communicate and so forth. So we're gonna talk about different groups of people and how to communicate with them and how to build our effectiveness in communication. And we're gonna start with a little review of what we did last week. So if you weren't here, we're gonna move through it in about fifth gear. So uh, you can, be prepared and if i turn my clicker on it'll probably work a little bit better so our objective uh, just to remind you is to learn communication skills that will help you to excel as a leader in school work church and especially the what spread of the gospel exactly so we're going to examine the bible the spirit of prophecy history and contemporary authors in leadership and communication last week we began by looking at the great commission Jesus has given this to us because it's what we are here for. We are here to share the gospel with all the world. We defined what a disciple is. The Great uh, Great Commission says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. That's the the better translation than what the King James gives. But what is a disciple? Can anybody remember what a disciple is? It's kind of a two-part definition. Remember what it was? A a... A follower and a... A te- yeah, essentially a teacher. So it's one, a one who subscribes to the teachings of a master and assists in spreading them. So a disciple actively spreads the teachings of their master. It's part of the definition of a, of a disciple. And that's why Jesus calls us to make disciples. Some great communicators—great communi- communicators, great communicators in the Bible whew, were Moses, Nehemiah, Jesus, and of course there were many others. These were just a few that we looked at. And we looked at one uh, communication theory. This one happens to have been uh, put forth by an individual by the name of Shannon, uh, talking about how we communicate with others. We start with the sender. They have a message that they want to send. Often, it's verbal. Sometimes, it's uh, through uh, writing. It could be a variety of different ways. Uh, Could be through music. They send that message. They encode it, try to figure out how to get it across to the other person. They find a channel through which it can be shared. Again, that's often verbal, but not always send it through, and then the person, the receiver over here has to decode it and try to understand what the person means. But somewhere in the middle, they're going to necessarily run into what? Noise, Noise, confusion, something that's going to Uh, that threatens to make that message misunderstood. But once they receive that message, whether they have received it correctly or incorrectly, there's a high likelihood that they're going to want to respond to the person who initially spoke to them. So they then have to encode the message, their return message, send it back through the other side, they have to decode it. But again, we run into what? Noise. So the more we can decrease the noise, the easier it is to get those messages effectively through. And we looked at some fundamental techniques in handling people in communication. Uh, This was from Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And we found that many of the things, the principles that he shares in that book, we found a lot of support for in the Bible. So it kind of goes back and forth across. Don't criticize, condemn, or what? Or complain. Give honest and sincere appreciation. When you're communicating with somebody, when you want to win friends influence people share the gospel give sincere appreciation Arouse in the other person and eager what want they need to want what it is that you have to share and this is especially important when it comes to the gospel you don't want to be chasing them trying to throw the gospel at them you want them coming to you and asking can you tell me more about this jesus what does he mean to you why is he so important to you so if they can want that it makes it a whole lot easier Six ways to make people like you. I'm not so sure I love the word make there, but that's the word that he uses, so we'll go ahead and keep it the way he did. Become genuinely interested in who? In other people. Now, you and I, being the fallen human beings that we happen to be, we tend to have a very significant interest in who? Us, ourselves. We like ourselves, or we don't, but at least we have a, a great deal of interest in ourselves. We need to become genuinely interested in other people. Number two is to? Smile, smiling helps a lot. Number three, remember that a person's name is to that person the sweetest and most important sound in any language. Number four, be a good listener. Encourage others to talk about themselves. Some people need very little encouragement to talk about themselves. Some need a little bit more, but if you can get a person talking about themselves, they often become a little bit more open. They open themselves up and you get to learn a lot more about them. Then the key is to listen. Number five, talk in terms of the other person's interests. It kind of goes with number four. Number six, make the other person feel important and do it how? Sincerely. They need to sincerely feel important. How how to win people to your way of thinking. And again, uh, the assumption here, and I think it's an appropriate one, is we're trying to get people to, to think the way Jesus would. So we're trying to share the gospel through our word, through our actions. How do we do that? The only way to get the best of an argument is to do what? Right there, avoid it. Very rarely will you get far if you are arguing with somebody. a lot of times you can win the argument, but you're gonna end up, they say you can win the battle, but lose the war. war. So arguments very rarely yield positive fruit, uh, especially ones that are incredibly intellectual. Now, again, it's not important to, it's important not to just dumb things down and go for emotional, Uh, spread of the gospel. But if you're just arguing up here, it doesn't get very far. Show respect for the other person's opinions and never say you're what? You're wrong. If you are wrong, admit it quickly and emphatically. Begin in a friendly way. Number five, get the other person saying what two words? Yes, yes. The more you can get them saying yes, yes. The easier it is for them to continue moving in a positive way with you get them saying yes yes immediately number six let the other person do a great deal of the talking and again we kind of refreshed our minds on that uh, by noting the fact that god has given to each person two ears and one mouth right so use your ears twice as much as you use your mouth at the very least Let the other person do a great deal of the talking. And again, you learn a lot about a person and how they think by listening to what they have to say. That will open doors to how you can reach them more effectively. Number seven, let the other person feel that the idea is his or hers. This is a very effective tool for teachers to use. If you want your students to learn something, don't just tell them what it is. Let them figure it out and come to the conclusion themselves. Then they own it. That's especially helpful when you're sharing the gospel because instead of just telling somebody, here's what the Sabbath is or here's what happens when you die, if you can lead them through a Bible study and all of a sudden it clicks and they say, wait a minute, I see that, then it belongs to them and it's not something that you gave them. They own it themselves. So let the other person feel that the idea is his or hers. Number eight, try honestly to see things from the other person's point of view. Uh, I think we refreshed this again last week. Uh, You never know what another person, where where another person is coming from until you have done what? Walked a mile in their shoes. So see where they're coming from and their perspective may make a whole lot more sense to you. Number nine, be sympathetic with the other person's ideas and desires. Number ten, appeal to the nobler motives. Number eleven, dramatize your ideas. Don't make them be boring. And number twelve, throw down a challenge. Sometimes that's helpful. Some people are always up for a challenge. And I, I made mention of the fact that whenever I preach on the Sabbath, I always tell people, if you can find a Bible passage anywhere in the New Testament that either says that Sunday, the first day of the week is God's holy day, or that he ever changed it from Saturday to Sunday, I'll give you $1,000. People perk up, man. They're like, "Ooh, I can take home $1,000. Yeah, you can. All you got to do is come up with one text. One it, it could well be. It could well be. I've been doing it for 20 years now we would never do such a thing tell each other's trade secrets but oh no, for but a lot of people will go and they'll look if they've got incentive throw down the challenge it's helpful we also looked at how we can be a leader how to change people without giving offense or arousing resentment and again we're just moving through this very quickly this is a review from last week and uh, i will get you a a study guide um, somehow if you missed it from last week. A leader's job often includes changing your people's attitudes and behavior. Some suggestions to accomplish this are to begin with praise and honest appreciation. We talked about if you do need to criticize somebody to do it in a form of what? Do You remember what that was called? A praise sandwich, that's right. So you begin with praise, then you share the area that needs improvement and then you close with praise again. So that, that criticism if you will, is sandwiched within praise and it makes a a bitter pill to swallow at least a little easier to swallow. So it's not a bad idea. But I think it was Chris who mentioned, uh, makes you wonder whenever somebody comes up and pays you a compliment now, what's coming right after. (laughs) (laughs) Praise yourself if somebody says something nice to you. But uh, number two, call attention to people's mistakes indirectly. Don't throw it right at them. Talk about your own mistakes before criticizing the other person. Also very, very effective. Number four, ask questions instead of giving direct orders. Five, let the other person save face. And six, praise the slightest improvement and praise every improvement. Be hearty in your approbation and lavish in your praise. Number seven, give the other person a fine reputation to live up to. Eight, use what? Encouragement. Make the fault seem easy to correct. Number nine make the other person happy about doing the thing that you suggest. So that's our review from last week, if you didn't happen to make it. Now, your homework for last week, do you remember what your homework was for last week? Anybody remember? To find somebody and use some of these principles as you're interacting with them. Now, I'm not gonna ask you for a show of hands how many of you did your homework. But for those of you who did do your homework and had some interaction with somebody and you tried one or two of these principles with them, what did you find happened? I'll let somebody share something. Anybody have something to share about what experience they had when they used any of these principles with someone this week? Anybody find anything, experience anything? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I realized that the lady who cleans my teeth, I've been her client probably for the last five years, and I've never really interacted well with her, mm-hmm. and I realized, okay, the minute I open my mouth, I'm not going to be able to speak, but at first, before, I said, when I sat down in the chair immediately, I said to her, you know, and I just opened the the door and just said, you know,
1: how are things going with you? Is there anything in your life that's stressful for you? And, Good. You know, and how's your relationship with your, your children, your sons, and... And then the whole rest of the time,
0: she was sharing with me and, and you know, I was just like encouraging her and, Good. and all of that. And um, at the end, she just thanked me so much. Yeah. That opens a door, giving people an opportunity to talk about themselves and what's going on in their life. Mm-hmm. That can open a door immensely. And you never know where that's, gonna, where that's gonna end up. For those of you who came in a little bit late, we have uh, some handouts up here if you are interested in them. Uh, you can get those and we're gonna fill in some blanks here. Anybody else have an experience this week that they had that they would like to share about as they applied any of these principles? Yes. I didn't go to your meeting, but uh,
1: I've had child support in the past to take care of them. And uh, they sent me a notice. Mm-hmm. And it was exceedingly upsetting because they wanted me to pay $300 more. And they said that I hadn't been making my payments and there was no way out of this thing because they were going to do it, and I had to show up to, to their court. So I went, I prayed with my prayer partner. Pray mm-hmm. prayed about everything at Weimar. And because uh, I was upset, and sometimes you get a little nervous and get upset. And so, anyway, the next day we prayed about it, and the Lord did exactly <coughs> what we prayed. He opened their hearts on that. But I went in there, the first thing I said is, look, I've been making friends with my congressman, you know, talking about stuff. And I'm going to give him a call after I get done with you, and then I want him to give me the governor's uh, a phone number or a governor contact on this deal. And mm-hmm. I said, "Here's this paper. It's not true. I've made every payment. This thing is not true." And then she took it to the back, and then, but it worked out to where I gave gave a testimony, and I shared how they could avoid the, this coronavirus, mm-hmm. and I shared about why I wouldn't about uh, the church.
0: Good. Fantastic. So you've you've left a door open there. Excellent. Excellent. Anybody else? Yes. So we have about 15 operatories, and this one particular nurse, every single time we do surgery together, I I think she's trying to kill me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the operatory light's way down here, and I hit my head, and, (laughs) you know, everything's just kind of off, you know. And so I try to make it a joke. To kill me again or something, you yep. know. And um during the week we worked together in clinic too, sometimes, and and one day she she st- she just cold cold stopped right in front of me, and I almost plowed into her and I'm like, Now we're gonna be going back and forth trying to kill each other here. We're watch <laughs> it, you know. But you know, all these little things, she's really sincerely now trying to be aware, whereas before I don't think so. Right. You know? But now I think because we've made it such a joke, you know, I think it's been helpful to just. So you're able to talk about uncomfortable subjects in a yeah. more comfortable way because yeah. it's, you've kind of made light of it yeah. as it were. Good, excellent. So all these are good communication skills that you can use to, to bridge gaps with other people. You know, George Bernard Shaw said something rather interesting and you can begin filling in blanks at this point on your, uh, on your handout, he said this. The single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. You know, a lot of times we think that we have communicated with the other person, but we really haven't. They don't get it because we didn't do a good job. There was noise in the way somewhere. And so the more we can do to decrease that noise and get the correct message across, the more effective it's going to be. Ellen White said in Councils on Stewardship, page 115, speech is a talent of all the gifts bestowed on the human family. None should be more appreciated than the gift of speech. It is to be used to declare God's wisdom and wondrous love. Thus the treasures of his grace and wisdom are to be communicated. So we can use speech. Now, of course, she's speaking specifically of a verbal speech here, but again, we speak in many ways today. It's often by text or it's by an email, or it could be a a voice message that we're leaving for somebody. Lots of different ways that we we communicate, but ultimately our goal is to share God's grace and wisdom with the other person. There are several different leadership styles. We're talking about specifically communication from a a leadership perspective here. Uh, We're all leaders in some way, shape, or form, or another. It could be that we are leading our children It could be that we are leading people in our workplace. It could be that we are in a leadership position in the church. But there are several different leadership styles that people often take, and we're gonna run through each of them. The first one is transformational. Number one is transformational. Number two is transactional, transactional. And number three is passive avoidant. So three different leadership styles, primarily transformational, transactional and passive avoidant. So let's go through and define them here and they're in order on your sheet there. Transformational leadership builds trust and responsibility in team members by emphasizing personal associations, developing a sense of mission and encouraging innovation. Builds trust and responsibility in team members by emphasizing personal associations, developing a sense of mission And encouraging innovation that is transformational leadership in other words when you are leading the other person is being transformed they are changing their life is changing because of the way that you are leading that's a motivation they sense the mission they understand what it's all about you're giving them an opportunity to innovate you're giving them uh, ownership of what's going on rather than just telling them do this they believe in it you're trusting them them. and they are being transformed and changed by the way that you are communicating with them by the way that you are leading them the second one is transactional leadership transactional leadership emphasizes meaningful rewards for those who complete the desired actions transactional leadership emphasizes meaningful rewards for those who complete the desired actions in a in a family setting what might that look like If you're a parent and you have some children and you would like them to do something, you can tell them what? If you do this, I will, I will reward you. I will give you a dollar, maybe a dollar 50, depending on how badly you want it done. Or I'll let you have an extra cookie or I'll let you go to bed 20 minutes later or something like that. Right? If you do this, I will give you this. Does that, often lead to the right behavior no. yeah, yeah. yeah it, it often does is it wrong motive. it may not be exactly the right motive you, you would you would hope that they would develop a sense of mission right mm-hmm. and say i i'm a part of this family and because i'm a part of this family i just can't help but clear the table and wash the dishes and put the laundry in the hamper and and i just i believe in this so much <laughs> I'm very Catholic. yeah, yeah. right, you can guilt them into it too, I suppose. But so there are different ways that you can do it. Transactional is effective up to a certain point, but not quite as good as transformational leadership. The third is passive avoidance leadership. This is largely a hands-off approach that offers little to no feedback and no attempt is made to satisfy team member needs. This is where the parent just says, do it. And when I get back, it had better be done. How effective is that? Well, again, it depends on the punishment associated with it frequently. But do you suppose this is the best approach? Some of you are thinking, well, maybe. Depends on the child, right? It depends on the circumstances. On the circumstances. But more often than not, passive avoidance leadership is not very effective because you're just telling them do this and then you're essentially walking away. You're, you're not really being a leader, so to speak. So transformational is by far the most effective. Transactional, you'll get some movement on that and passive avoidance, uh, not so much. Now, we are looking at spreading the gospel specifically uh, around, well, how far has Jesus given us this, uh, this mandate? We're to take the gospel where? To all the world. The world is a pretty big place. I've seen a fair chunk of it, not the whole thing yet, But I'll tell you what, you go to different parts of the world and people are different. I mean, the stuff that we take for granted, not the case in other, like, I'm I'm not going to share too much in this area because it might embarrass certain individuals. So I'll just say that when you're eating, there are certain manners that we take for granted here in the States that would be considered good manners. Whereas if you go to other parts of the world, they have a different definition of what good manners are and it's not the same definition as ours and so like I was over in Mongolia and I sat and had had a meal with somebody and I thought man this person just they're smacking their lips and making all this mouth noise when they're eating soup and food like what what terrible manners and then I sat with some other people and they're doing the same thing. And I sit with other people and they're doing the same thing. I'm thinking, either everybody here in Mongolia doesn't know how to eat <laughs> or they're looking at me and thinking I have no manners whatsoever exactly, because exactly. I, I have a different standard. Inference. Yes, I, I'm not appreciating this at all. I, I also didn't drink the fresh yak milk, which <clears throat> they're, gonna, they're just gonna have to forgive me for that one. But, uh, but anyway, we are working with a very diverse group of people around the world that we need to take the gospel to. And the Adventist church, if you haven't noticed already, tends to be a rather diverse group in and of itself. We have different cultures, different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different uh, social classes, different incomes, we've got students, we've got professionals, we we got the gamut. And in order to work with such a wide range of people, we've got to develop some communication skills, some leadership skills that are gonna reach people regardless of where they are. So inclusivity involves making people feel three things, included, valued, and heard. Inclusivity involves making people feel included, valued, and heard. And this stretches across the boundaries of differences of culture and so forth. If people feel that they are being included in something rather than just dictated to, if they feel valued, like they matter, and if they feel that they are being heard, like you're listening to them, regardless of who you're working with, that's gonna go a long, long way. <clears throat> Inclusivity is especially important in the Seventh-day Adventist church. Why? We kind of just alluded to that, but why is that so important, especially in the Seventh-day Adventist church? We have
1: a diversity of people coming in
0: from all over. We do. We, we have a very diverse group of people because we are a worldwide church with a worldwide mission to reach every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. That's everybody. So some things that we may, some ways that we may communicate here in the U S is not going to reach somebody real well over in say Tanzania or something like that. But we need to find principles that will work across all of them. Peter Drucker once said the most important thing in communication is hearing what isn't said hearing what isn't said. So often you have to listen between the lines or read between the lines to see what a person is thinking. Uh, I know this is especially important when I happen to be speaking or preaching. I'll be heading in one direction with the sermon and look out at people, and if people are just kind of got their eyebrow raised or they're not really sure what's going on, okay, Eric, I I gotta backpedal You go back three steps and let's start over and try this differently, because there's not a connection being made. So the most important thing in communication is hearing what isn't said. Watching people's nonverbal reactions is very, very helpful. I was in Bulgaria. And again, this is where people are a little bit different. Bulgaria is not where people are different. But it's an illustration of how people are different in different places. Uh, In Bulgaria, If you are in agreement with something, you go like this. And so I'm up there preaching, and I've got a whole congregation of people going. (laughs) I'm thinking, wow, I am not connecting at all with this group. When in reality, I'm connecting fantastically with them. I just don't realize that. They're just going like this the whole sermon. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? It's, It's noise. It's a lot of noise is what's going on. It's getting in there. In my mind, I'm misunderstanding them. So when we're communicating with people, we have to try to figure out where that noise is and how to decrease it as much as possible so that we can get across what needs to be uh, gotten across. Now, what you see up on the screen here and in your, uh, <clears throat> in your handouts is another learning theory. This is called the social learning theory or another communication theory. Uh, basically, you have three different areas that can either make the communication more effective or can cause it to break down. And I know some of you are going, that's really, really small. So I'm going to read it here to you from the screen. Up at the top of the triangle, the triangle says determines human behavior. At the top, cognitive factors, also called personal factors, involve knowledge, expectations, and attitudes. Over here on the bottom right, we have behavioral factors, which include skills, practice, and self-efficiency, and over on the left-hand side, Environmental factors which include social norms, access to in community, and influence on, influence on others or the ability to change their own environment. so as we're looking at changing people's behavior, trying to communicate with them, we have to take all of this into consideration because it's going to affect how effect, it's going to affect how effective our communication is or isn't. One acronym that has been uh, developed for this for involving inclusivity or how to make things more inclusive is to remember the acronym each e-a-c-h each stands for empowerment accountability courage and humility so you're wanting to empower people give a an opportunity for them to be accountable give them an opportunity to be courageous and also uh, to to exhibit humility you want to exhibit humility as well now ultimately to share the gospel or to be more effective in leading your family or at work. It kind of works across all the different realms. Delegation is important. Delegation of tasks from leaders to followers, or as we're speaking here specifically uh, disciples, so this would be in a spiritual nature. Tabak and LeBron, I gave you a, uh, some suggested reading down there at the bottom in an interesting paper wrote this. They said, if a leader perceives the follower as competent and motivated, then she or he will be more likely to delegate tasks provide opportunities for participation, share more information and assign high responsibility and high visibility tasks. As sharers of the gospel, we need to feel confident, comfortable that we can empower other people to do it too. Uh, We employ, uh, maybe that's not the right word. We engage the services of a lot of Bible workers uh, with or through it is written. A Bible worker's job is not just to give Bible studies. I mean, they can do that, they should do that. If they're not giving Bible studies, there's a problem there. But more than that, their responsibility is to train the church members how to give Bible studies. If they're just giving Bible studies themselves, they're being pretty ineffective. If we're just doing it ourselves, we're being pretty ineffective. Jesus didn't, go, didn't say, go and do it yourself. He said, go and what? Make disciples. So you're teaching somebody else what it is, and then you're teaching them, training them how to do it. Teaching the teachers to teach exactly. So we want to communicate with people in a way that gets them on board, so that they can grasp the mission and the message that we have to share, own it themselves, and then want to go and share it with somebody else. So we we provide them with. uh, with what they need in order to be effective and efficient in doing it themselves. There are really three different types of of followers that you will find in the world today. The three different types of followers are effective followers, and they're in, uh, in order again on your sheet, effective followers, alienated followers, alienated followers and pragmatic followers. Effective, alienated, and pragmatic so let's start with the effective followers your effective followers are energetic and engaged as well as being assertive and not afraid to take initiative in pursuing ideas this is the type of followers that you want to try to develop and again you can't develop this type of follower without having an effective means of communicating with them so that they believe in what you're sharing they become a part of it as well Effective followers are energetic and engaged as well as being assertive and not afraid to take initiative in pursuing ideas. Then you have alienated followers. Alienated followers are somewhat disconnected and independent from the leader. Have any of you ever had an alienated follower? I've been one for a while. You've been one for a while? You're kind of glad they're there, but you're kind of glad when they're not, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense because they kind of, they've kind got their own way of doing things. You, you say, hey, can you do this? And they think of a better way to do it that maybe isn't such as good a way. So somewhat disconnected and independent from the leader. And then you have pragmatic followers. Pragmatic followers are somewhat political and do what is necessary to protect their self-interest. They're covering their, their own selves make sure that they don't get in trouble their primary primary motivation is keep myself safe it's not necessarily the goal of the organization or the team or the church or whatever but how can i take care of myself so pragmatic followers somewhat political and do what is necessary to protect their own self-interest i'm going to tie things off here with a quote from mark twain mark twain had a way with words a a a true way with words that really i haven't seen anybody quite pull off since his days he said this it usually takes me more than three weeks to prepare a good impromptu speech (laughs) you know if, if you were trying to develop disciples which chris is going to be talking about here shortly effective disciples in the sharing of the gospel if you're trying to train up children in the way that they should go if you're trying to build your team at work or at school by communicating with them it doesn't just happen instantaneously it takes planning it takes time it takes effort it takes a whole lot of listening it takes a lot of taking two steps back and then three steps forward three steps forward two steps back there we go To, yes you know,
1: that's
0: very important. yeah absolutely no, we're not coverage, no not at all every person is different every child is different figure once you figured it out on the first one well just do that on the second one no, doesn't work doesn't work and in the church what may motivate one person is not going to be what motivates somebody else same thing in your office So develop some of these communication skills, hopefully some of the stuff that we picked up last week and some of the approaches we talked about this week, you can bring them together just a little bit and see that your communication skills improve as well. Keep in mind, Matthew 24 verse 14 says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. So I don't know about you, but I think that's pretty good news, amen. Let's go ahead and pray. And after we pray, don't run off quite yet. I have a small request for you, which you can probably figure out by looking at the one sheet in your hand that we have not yet addressed. And uh, then we'll take a short break while Chris gets set up. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for giving us opportunity to look at effective communication skills and ways that we can apply them in our lives, especially to share the gospel with the world but we realize that we're living in that world right now and we live in families and we live in a church and we live in schools and we live in businesses and work and we're surrounded by people constantly that we need to communicate with. So help us to learn ways that we can more effectively communicate with them so that ultimately the kingdom can be swelled by their numbers. And we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So in your hands, you should have a form that says something like evaluation on it or something like that. It should take you probably no more than one minute to fill that out. But if you would be so kind as to fill that out for me and just drop it up here on the front uh, pew, I would very much appreciate it. And uh, you'll notice that there is no place on there for your name, so it is completely anonymous, which means you can be just as honest as you would ever like to be. But uh, please communicate clearly on the sheet (laughs) Let me know what you got out of it or didn't get out of it, what could be improved or not improved, and uh, just uh, fill that out if you would be kind enough, and I'm going to invite Chris to come up here, and he's going to get himself set up, and we're going to look at part two of what it means to be a disciple.